You're listening to A Date with Data with your host, Amy Bitterman. Hey, it's Amy, and I'm so excited to be hosting A Date with Data. I'll be chatting with state and district special education staff who, just like you, are dealing with IDEA data every day. A Date with Data is brought to you by the IDEA Data Center. Welcome to A Date with Data. On this episode, I am joined by Heather Dumphy, who is the Lead Education Program Specialist from the Arizona Department of Education. And we also have with us one of my wonderful colleagues from IDC, Tamara Nimkoff. Heather is going to be talking to us about how Arizona has been con- conducting their non-response bias analysis that all states are required to complete for SPP APR indicators 8 and 14. And Tamara is also going to be here to highlight an IDC tool and talk about some other support that IDC can provide states related to the non-response bias analysis. So welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. So first off, um, I was hoping if each of you could just introduce yourselves briefly, say a little bit about your role and what you do. Heather, do you want to go first? Sure. Uh, My name is Heather Dunphy, and I'm a lead education program specialist at the Department of Education in Arizona. I work a lot with uh, significant disproportionality and LEA determinations, and I also coordinate most of our federal submissions, including the State Performance Plan Annual Performance Report. And I'm really happy to be here today. Great. Happy to have you. Tamara, do you want to talk a little about what you do on IDC? Sure. Thanks, Amy. So I've been with IDC as a state liaison or mostly a technical assistance specialist for several years now. My work's been really focused around the analysis and use of data um, previously on the state systemic improvement plans on using data and structured data meetings. And over the more recent years, more focused on supporting states around their data collection through sampling, as well as in the areas of representativeness and non-response bias, um, the topic of today's chat. Great. Thank you both. So Heather, can you start us off by kind of walking us through Arizona's data quality journey related to non-response bias analysis? What, What does that look like? Sure. So I began with the agency about two and a half years ago. Uh, The FFY 2020 SPP APR was the first federal document that I was responsible for coordinating. And that was the first year that the words (laughs) non-response bias Non response bias appeared in the APR. And, you know, the question in the APR, it asked, uh, you know, describe the analysis of the response rate, including any non response bias that was identified. So Mm -hmm. I was familiar with how to analyze response rates, but I was unclear what exactly non-response bias was and certainly how we were going to analyze it. Uh, So in 2021, we did our best to analyze the non-response bias to the extent that we could. So for Mm -hmm. indicator, for indicator eight, for example, parent involvement survey, what we did was we divided our survey window into three periods, the beginning period, the middle, and the end. And the idea was that the responses might differ from people who answered the survey early compared to those who answered the survey late. Mm -hmm. And then 
we examined those responses that came in from parents at the end of the data collection period as a proxy for non-responders. Mm -hmm. And then we then compared those responders to the ones that came in during the beginning and the middle of the data collection period. So this method gave us some insight into whether or not the results might be biased. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other strategy we used at that time for indicator eight, we were looking at our responses by subgroup and to see if they were representative in respect to certain demographic areas such as race and ethnicity. And then we looked at the rate of agreeableness with indicator eight by race and ethnicity. And mm -hmm. we were just kind of visually trying to see if there was any non-response bias. Like if we received more survey responses from one particular race ethnicity and their level of agreement was different than the others, then there might be non-response bias. So this yeah. provided like a good estimate for mm -hmm. measuring non-response bias at that time. That that's kind of those are kind of the tools that we had at that time. Gotcha. Okay. What about for 14? Were you doing something similar? Yes, we were doing the same for 14 that we were doing for, um, or similar to yeah. uh, indicator eight. Yes. Great. So you had kind of your start and had a mm -hmm. sense of, you know, what, what kind of makes sense. Um, and then what led you to engage with IDC um, mm -hmm. in terms of supporting you around the non-response bias analysis? I know you attended the hands-on learning academy that IDC hosted on mm -hmm. the non-response bias analysis tool that IDC had developed. So, so tell me kind of what made you kind of shift from, you know, what you had been doing initially mm -hmm. to wanting to do something different, something more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Well, yes, in, in the spring of 2023, it, it was last last spring, I had heard about a new tool for analyzing non-response bias that was in the testing stage, and they were looking for states to try it out. Mm -hmm. uh, I had heard that the tool was built to assist states in addressing the requirements related to uh, response rates, you know, representativeness, and non-response bias, and to kind of ease that burden of analyzing survey data for indicators 8 and 14. And Anything that's going to ease the burden of mm -hmm. any work, I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. You know, so myself and one of our indicator 14 specialists in April went to Rockville, Maryland for two full days of learning about the NRBA app. Great. Is um and, and you said you did attend that? Yes. Too, I did. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about your experience at the mm -hmm. OLA? Um, what you learned? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, at the workshop, it was uh, Tamara and Ben. They walked us through the various ways to use the app. There's several tests that we can run. Um, mm -hmm. They showed us how to set up our data set in the appropriate columns. It needs to be set up in a certain way. And as soon as you uh, have your data set up in a certain way, really the app does most of the work. And I think Tamara can talk mm -hmm. more about all mm -hmm. the things that this app does, but it's it really does take the burden off of, um, you know, the user and puts it onto the computer uh, to to do the calculations for you. Yeah, that's always a good thing in lots of ways. We can, you know, hope there's not the user error that we mm -hmm. might experience and it's, it's right. kind of pushing a button. Right. And the nice thing about the workshop was it was still a little bit in that testing phase. So we had a, mm -hmm. a, a we had a small group of representatives from several states and we could try it out. And we saw that some things were not quite right. And then that gave um, that gave them time on the developer side to to work out the kinks before it went live to all of the states. Great. That was yeah a good kind of dual 
opportunity there for for IDC to be able to have some some testers too. Mm -hmm. So Tamara, can you talk more about the NRBA tool, um, how it works, why we developed it, how states can use it? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, building off of what Heather has shared, really the emphasizing that the development of this resource has really been directly informed um, by input from our colleagues in, in the state agencies. Um, you know, we were at the beta version stage in that spring 2023 that um, Heather mentioned attending. We had other states, representatives from Georgia, Indiana, North Carolina, and West Virginia there. And we also had um, earlier input from our on an alpha version from our friends in Montana that gave really valuable feedback to inform the development. Um, the, the impetus of the tool was really it's really aligned with our direct um, support of state's capacity to, to meet those SVP APR data quality requirements for indicators 8 and 14, um, as Heather was sharing about the work that they were um, doing prior to um, engaging with this particular tool. And it was triggered really by those requirements um, of the uh, 2020 package where it caused us to think about at that time what tools were already in the field and mm -hmm. where the gaps might be. Um, we felt that the, the field could really benefit from a tool that was both powerful, but also flexible and user-friendly to the extent possible. Um, you know, so we wanted something that would allow a user to choose among many different ways of, of analyzing their survey data using those best practices, um, but that gave them some flexibility um, to have as much guidance along the way as, as was needed. Um, so, you know, it was also informed by some of the kind of common issues that we at IDC had observed over um, uh, years of uh, supporting states in writing their SPP APR um, responses mm -hmm. to those prompts. Um, and we knew that we wanted something that could both sort of support states in gaining that conceptual understanding of the differences between data representativeness and non-response bias, which Heather alluded to, as well as gave them you know, options for digging into their data in, in deeper ways. Um, beyond the submission of a APR report each year mm -hmm. um, if they wanted to. So a little bit about the tool itself, yeah. um, just to give people like a really high level, it's a browser-based application, online application, mm -hmm. and it's um, first time that people use it, they'll install a free statistical program um, along with the package itself, um, mm -hmm. it's the program R, which is an open mm -hmm. source program that's widely used across many fields, including education. A couple of things that were really important to us were to make it really flexible, but secure. So mm -hmm. users access the app within, you know, their preferred web browser, like Google Chrome or whatever, while the statistical program runs the computations in the background. Mm -hmm. When users upload in order to use it, their data into the app for a yeah. session, it's 
done via their a web browser. So no data are actually passing across the web. So mm -hmm. their data remain secure within their local computer. Yeah, that's um, important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's kind of built on the application. It is built on a couple of kind of stages. It guides the user mm -hmm. through setting up the session, which is importing their data set mm -hmm. um, and then indicating how they collected those data, telling the application about their data. Like, for example, mm -hmm. was it from an attempted census or mm -hmm. was it from a sample? Then they can choose from a whole series of, um, excuse me, analysis options. Their questions about response rates, representativeness, mm -hmm. and non-response bias. So it's a tool that is not just focused on non-response bias, but allows the user to look at all of those uh, areas mm -hmm. um, guided, like, for example, what are our response rates? Do they differ across subgroups? You know, are some subgroups in our population overrepresented or underrepresented in our data? Mm -hmm. Looking at data representativeness. But then also, how do our survey outcomes differ across subgroups? And understanding how those survey outcomes vary across subgroups combined with the information about representativeness of their mm -hmm. subgroups is what informs the user about the, the presence of non-response bias in their data. Mm. Um, and the tool is also powerful enough that it gives the user options for looking at, can we use some statistical adjustments to reduce non-response bias in our data? Hmm. So not a requirement of the APR, but an added kind of best practice of looking at, you know, one way of assessing if there's non-response bias and seeing that um, how it might be adjusted is by using weighta, weighting adjustments. Mm -hmm. So that's an option in the tool. There are many kind of analysis options that it, that if a user wanted to dig more deeply into their data, um, they can do so. So Tamara, would the tool actually weight the data for for you for this? That's state? right. Oh. That's right. All of the analyses, whether it's calculating a response rate or whether it's you know uh, looking at uh, the proportional difference between representation or whether it is providing a comparison of weighted and, and of a, an unweighted data. All mm -hmm. of that is done through these pre-programmed analyses that are mm -hmm. part of the application. They're running in the background and the user is choosing what variables to look at mm -hmm. um, as well as other kind of parameters of the analysis that yeah. that may need to be decided um, depending upon like the specific statistical tests that's being done. Wow. Um, that's yeah. and just having that all in one package, all of those pieces, because I think so much of the confusion that we heard from states, especially when the non-response bias analysis requirement was added, was not understanding the difference between them, how they are connected, how how they work together potentially. And so just having it all all together like that, I think is, is so powerful for understanding the different That's requirements. Right. Yeah, we that was really a goal. And you know, one of the things Heather mentioned, the um the input that was provided at the OLA, which again I'll just say was so 
so valuable for, for our development process. One of the things that is also really a part of the application are the supporting resources around it. So having a long, you know, having resources that provide detailed instructions about how to install, not just how to install the app, but how to set up a data set for mm -hmm. really um, honestly, whether you're using the application or not, what elements of a data set are, are valuable to have for the particular analyses that yeah. need to be done for this. Um, as well as kind of a, a you know pretty comprehensive uh, reference guide that gets to um, the conceptual pieces of you know along with using the app there is how to uh, what it means how to mm -hmm, kind mm -hmm. of interpret yeah. the the analysis so all, all of those um, pieces we want to be a part of the of the resources available. And, you know, we're continuing to think about and get input from folks about, you know, what resources might be useful, you know, yeah. moving forward. And this is something that, you I mean, you don't have to have any type of statistical background to use. I mean, what would you say? I mean, a data manager could could pick this up and, and do it with the resources yeah. and support that yeah. goes along. Yeah, absolutely. And Heather can, you know, certainly yeah. speak to this as well from our kind of the great engagement that that we've had in collaboration around using them using this tool with their mm -hmm. data is that, you know, we really do encourage users to leverage IDC's technical assistance mm -hmm. to make the most of the application, but the support is really um, intended to be flexible. You know, there may be folks who are very experienced in statistics who might choose to use the application independently, just using the guides for reference. Mm -hmm. um, others may really benefit from engaging one-on-one -on -one with an IDTA specialist like myself to work with the data collaboratively, you know, to get input on what, which analyses might be most useful to them or to discuss together how the results might be interpreted. You know, folks might want to kind of gain proficiency with the tool themselves with that range of ID support, IDC support. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it really is, you know, the support around the tool is really quite flexible yeah. as well. So Heather, tell us um, about your experience using the tool and, and what that's been like and how maybe that's, you know, changed your analysis, your interpretation, your your results in terms of the non-response bias and representativeness as well. Sure, sure. Um, so like I mentioned at the workshop, Tamara and Ben, they walked us through various ways to use the app. And just like anything we learned that is new, I felt a little outside of my comfort zone, uh, you know, at the workshop, but with their leadership, you know, the process wasn't too stressful. It seemed fairly straightforward. But then when I returned to Arizona, I tried using the tool on my own. I found it far more difficult than I anticipated. You know, I felt 
clumsy. I was making mistakes. I tried to follow the written directions I had gotten at the workshop, but I was mm-hmm. stum- I was stumbling <laughs> with the steps. So I reached out to Tamara. I was, you know, I felt a little embarrassed because I needed additional support after spending two full days with me. But you know what? She made me feel totally comfortable. We went through some of the exercises together. She helped me understand, you know, how to interpret those results. Uh, she made sure that my data set was organized correctly. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the process was was fairly simple. Um, just like Tamara said, the R Studio app will run all of the calculations. So it can do some of the basic calculations like calculating the response rates by mm-hmm. subgroups and comparing subgroup percentages in respondent mm-hmm. data um, to data from responses, respondents and, and the non-respondents. Um, but what I found really helpful is learning, you know, do we have that non-response bias? Mm-hmm. And so, for example, in Arizona, the indicator eight data we have is about 92% of agreeableness, Mm -hmm. Um, but we're only receiving 14% of responses. So -hmm. that's a lot of unknown. That's 86% that we we don't really know how they're going to to respond. And so the tool was really helpful. We found that if we were to get everyone to respond, which we only Mm -hmm. got 14%, but if we were to extrapolate that and and get... um, everyone to respond in respect to race and ethnicity, it was extremely close to that 92% that we we calculated. So that gave us a lot, that gave us a lot of confidence that that we didn't have non-response bias in respect to race Mm. and ethnicity for indicator eight. And then we also looked at indicator 14, and we received uh, quite a few responses. We have about 74% percent response rate. Um, But you still don't know if there's non-response going on, even though we have quite a few respondents. So we ran the test there. And what we found is we're getting about 80% of our responses from the from graduates. Okay. So we get Mm -hmm. quite a few of the graduates, but we're getting fewer responses from dropouts. It's harder Mm -hmm. to get responses from the dropouts. And so we wanted to know if there's some non-response bias going on. And the areas of engagement differ from graduates and dropouts. And, you know, especially when we look at, for example, who's going into higher ed, what we found is that for the percentage of youth with IEPs that go into higher ed, it's about 19% in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were wondering, you know, would if we received responses from everyone, would it still be 19%? So yeah. that's where the tool really came in in handy. So in a perfect world, if we had gotten all of the responses from graduates and all the responses from dropouts, the app showed us that instead of 19%, it would be lower. It'd be about 17%. Mm. And so, you know, my next step in this process would be to learn about, is that significant? You know, what's the level Mm -hmm. of significance, Mm -hmm. that 2% difference? And that's something that I think the tool can help with. I would like to Mm. learn, learn more about that in the future. Mm. So that's, uh, so I'm still kind of, you know, at the beginning stage of learning about the tool, but from yeah. what I've seen, it it's, it is really, really neat and saves a lot of work. Yeah. Did you use it for um, the SPPAPR you're working on mm-hmm. that's due in February? Yes. Great. Yes, we did. Mm-hmm. That's very exciting. Well, it sounds like, yeah, you've gotten a lot out of the tool and it's a lot, there's a lot it can do and a lot more still to even explore with it. So kudos to to you all. Yeah, thank you. I will add that, you know, if anytime, you know, you're working with something complicated, you try not to make it 
so complicated, you try to simplify it. So one mm -hmm. thing that did help me to understand the tool better is I made a smaller data set of fake data. So mm. instead of instead of looking at 10,000 responses, I just made a false data set of 100 responses uh, to help me just understand the tool better. And so like in respect to race, ethnicity, I just made, you know, 50 were Hispanic and 50 were white. And I ran mm -hmm. different scenarios of responses to see how the tool worked. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, what if more Hispanics answered? What if more white people yeah, how answered? How would that change it? What mm -hmm. if the Hispanic level of agreements was very high and the white level of agreement was really low? How does mm -hmm. that change each of these calculations. So I would suggest that anyone learning about this tool to, to try that, to create a smaller data set and just look at the different statistical calculations that the app provides and what, hmm. what states might find valuable. That's a great tip. Do you have anything else for states that are just you know, interested in possibly using this or have started using it that might be helpful for them? Sure. I would say, you know, in addition to trying a small data set to uh, reach out to IDC, like I said, I was mm -hmm. kind of, uh, you know, unsure, kind of feeling clumsy about it. And they're just so helpful, so helpful to, to make sure that your data set is set up correctly. If it's not, mm -hmm. the, the app's not going to work at all. And so that's the first step. And then when you finally get the results, you know, you might need some help interpreting them. And that's mm -hmm. where um, IDC can really come in handy as well. Great. So Tamara, for states that are interested in learning more about this and, and getting their hands on it, can you uh, tell us how they can get the, the tool and maybe a little bit more about the support that IDC is able to provide? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, the app itself, information about it, if they want to kind of self-explore, is you know available on the IDC website along with those supporting documents. Mm -hmm. Also on the website um, in various places are various kind of presentations that we've done either at the SPPAPR summits, um, for example, that speak to both the topic as well as a bit about the application. If a, if a state user does want to kind of engage in it, then contact the, your IDC state liaison and that and they will be able to connect you with a, a, tech, a TA specialist. Um, in terms of what's next, you know, we are continually improving um, and looking for those, you know, opportunities to provide TA really that that help inform the hearing from the field on what other kind of supporting resources would be useful. Um, it's been immensely um, helpful to collaborate and rewarding to collaborate with Heather in Arizona. And, um, you know, for example, mentioning the smaller fake data set, mm -hmm. we have small data sets that we have developed that are with fake data that are for indicators eight and for indicators 14 that we use for demonstrations with the app. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that we certainly could make those available to folks mm -hmm. so that they could then um, Play around use themselves. those. Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're constant, we're constantly um, learning from each other in this process. So that's, that's great. And, and as, as she mentioned, and I mentioned, you know, really our support is, is very flexible and geared towards what's going to be most useful and meaningful for the state user in the whatever phase they are in in this mm -hmm. process. Great. And we'll put links to the resource application itself, as well as some of the other presentations that might be helpful in the, the notes for the episode. So folks can easily get to them. Great. Great. Well, 
thank you both so much. I, I know that I learned a lot more about the app than I knew before. And it seems like something that's, you know, so useful and helpful and, you know, so appreciative that you came on and have shared your stories so other states can can hear about this too. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. To access podcast resources, submit questions related to today's episode, or if you have ideas for future topics, we'd love to hear from you. The links are in the episode content, or connect with us via the podcast page on the IDC website at ideadata.org.